0: God reveals His goodness in huge ways, but He also reveals His goodness in these little tiny things all throughout the day, all throughout the week. And here's a great testimony of one of them. Let's welcome Les Meredith as he comes up and gives a, a goodness of God testimony.
1: Thanks, John. Uh, most of you know Donette and I, we've been here about eight years. Uh, we came from a background of being professionals, uh, evangelical church. And when we got here, when people started talking about actually hearing from God or praying for healing and seeing healing happen, we were pretty skeptical, uh, but very willing to see if it's real to dedicate ourselves to being closer to the Lord for whatever he had for us. So we began listening to God and hoping that we would be able to hear his voice. And it starts small, but when you seek God, God says uh, he he will reward those who seek him and believe that he is real. So the, we were preaching this past Friday night at another church and praying for people and healing and prophetic prayer afterwards. And I sat down at lunch yesterday and I said, Lord, you know, which of the stories from last night could I perhaps post on Facebook to encourage others? And I got this picture of a text that I carry on my phone. For last year and a half, I've carried it on my phone. I thought, that's odd that that would come up with all the stories from last night. This is a little older and again, the picture came into my mind of this text. And I said, well, Lord, I'll put that text out there. And so I posted it on Facebook. And the reason I keep it is because it represented the walk in our life. One day while we were here at church, we were just learning to start to hear from the Lord. Donette felt like God told her to give a young lady, an 18-year-old, $100 for her family. And she tried to say, like, Lord, is that you? Yeah, I really need to know, because Les will get mad at me if I give somebody $100. And I, and I would have had God not changed my heart. <laughs> uh, but it represented a time where she really felt solidly that this was from the Lord. And so she walked up to this young lady whose family was well-known in the church. They'd in foster kids. They didn't have a lot of money, but they were really solid people. And she said, I feel like God is saying to give you $100 today. And the girl said, what for? I don't know of any particular need that we have right now. She says, I don't know. Just please take it. So that was kind of crossing the, the line of faith for for her. She didn't tell me till later, so she still had a little faith to go. But she gave the $100. We get home. We have lunch. Then after lunch, she says, I got something to tell you. And I said, what is it? She goes, I felt like God told me to give somebody $100 today. And she waited for the backlash. And I said, really? Who was it? And she told me the circumstances. And I said, well, okay, I guess as long as you feel like God told you to do that, that's okay. About an hour later I get this text from the father of the family. And he, I still carry this text today. He says, Les, after church, we're driving home, which is rural county nowhere, and the battery I'm talking f- about Ramona. The, the battery fails in his car, in his truck. And they're lucky enough to be able to pull into a Walmart. The dad walks in and he finds out to get a battery it's going to cost ninety four dollars plus tax, and he walks out to the car and he says, "We don't have that right now, and we can't put it on a credit card or anything. We don't have a hundred dollars." And the girl says, "Hey, Dad, Mrs. Meredith gave me a hundred dollars today at church. Here you can have it. She said we were going to need it."
2: <laughs>
0: That's great.
1: So when you begin to draw close to the Lord, he will start talking to you. And the more you lean in, the stronger it will become until you overcome what you think other people might laugh at or push back on. And then you'll have one of those times where you are all in. And so we've been all in, and and we see him work like this. And it's just an encouraging testimony that it's real, and he's still a good God that loves to help his people. Amen. Thank you, Les.
0: Turn to the person next to you, give him a high five, and say, God is, God is good. In fact, God is good all the time. All the time. God, is God is good all the time. All the time. Now let the devil hear it. God is good, God is good. all the time. You guys remember that show, To Tell the Truth? It's been on for 70 years. It's still on. I know. ABC. To tell the truth. For those who don't know what we're talking about, I don't know what planet you've lived on in the last 70 years, but here's the rules of to tell the truth. The show features a panel of celebrities who, whose object is the, is the correct identification of a described contestant. Can you turn my mic down a little bit or do something with that? Uh, who has an unusual occupation... The central character is accompanied by two imposters who pretend to be the central character. They are called the challengers. The panelists question the three contestants. The imposters are allowed to lie, but the central character is sworn to tell the truth. After questioning, the panel attempts to identify which of these three challengers is telling the truth and is thus the central character. My message this morning in our series on the goodness of God, this is part two, is who is God really? Or will the real God please stand up? There is an imposter named Satan who Jesus called the father of lies, who's always lying to you about God. He began it in the Garden of Eden. He lied to Adam and Eve about the goodness of God, said he was a withholder. They believed Him, disconnected from God to go find fulfillment outside of Him. And we've been suffering the consequences of that ever since. And you and I suffer consequences every time we go our own way instead of following the Lord. And at the root of it is always a lack of trust in His goodness. That He's out for our best. That His will really is better than ours for our own life. And so getting to know God is the critical issue. The more of God's goodness that we see, the more we rest in him. The easier it is to say, yes, Lord. Most of us have to beat our heads against a brick wall for a very long time before we finally come to understand that God's ways really are better than ours. But it takes a while to get to know God, unless you have a supernatural encounter, which is what we're going to look at today, which is always uh, the way to microwave your trust in God is through supernatural encounters. You know, the the um, experts say that it actually takes four years to get to know somebody. That's even after you're married. I've been married 20 years. I'm still learning my wife. It's It's a beautiful thing actually. It's, you know, frustrating and aggravating and Kind of like the time that, you know, God created Adam and Eve, and and, and Adam came to God and said, "God, I want to ask you a, a favor. Yeah, what do you want? Um, can you explain Eve to me?" And uh, I'm sorry, that's the joke. I just got it wrong. That's what I get for going spontaneous. Yeah. God says, what do you want? And Adam says, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. Can you build me a bridge to Hawaii? And God said, that's nah, just going to take too long. There's no, no way. I don't have time for that. I don't have the materials for that. And he says, okay, what else do you want? Oh, okay, well, you can't do that. Could you explain Eve to me? And he said, so you want that bridge to be two-lane or four-lane? <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. That's horrible. You know, we all have a perception um, of who people are, but the more that we spend time with them, the more we see who they are. We have to see them go through good times and bad times and see what's on the inside of them. It's the same with God. We all have a perception of God. But who is God really? You know, we, we, all, we, all, we, all, put, we all put our best foot out, out, out front. I mean, just look at Facebook. I mean, isn't it amazing how God, I mean, how how we, we nobody, nobody takes a selfie as soon as they wake up. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's all selfies are always, I look perfect, I'm at the most perfect place, I'm eating the most perfect food with the most perfect people. Here, see if you can compete with this, right? I mean, the whole thing is just a charade. It's not real. It's not your full life. And so... Moses had a hunger to know God. And God's Facebook profile was just scary, man. I mean, you think online dating is scary? God's profile picture is like smoke and lightning and thunder and this voice that comes out that shakes the earth. I mean, that's that's a pretty scary dude and and Israel was like and whenever God would show up they would all hide and run. But Moses Knew God enough to knew that whatever's behind that cloud is good, because he walked right into the cloud to see God. Kind of reminds me of the time Ava, my daughter here, my ten year old in the front row. Remember one time, Daddy was just like, "Dads, you ever have like smoke come out your ears? You know those cartoons, you know when smoke comes out the ears, right? It was a smoke out of the ears moment for me, and I was really frustrated, and I was. I yelled at the kids. I did that one time in 20 years, 70s, one time. Yelled at the kids, and I mean, like, you know, smoke out of the ears, stay away from dad. He's scary right now. Lightning, thunder, mountain shaking. And little Ava just walks right up to me and just puts her arms around me like this. Now, that's not fair. (laughs) That's just not fair. Just melted me right on the spot. This is what Moses did with God. Moses knew something about God. All the power, all the lightning, all the thunder, all the smoke, Moses knew God is good and went right into that cloud. And he and God, if you ever read in the Bible about Moses and God's bantering, it's just incredible the relationship they had. I can't believe the conversations they have at times. Like this one time, God says to Moses, Moses, your people that you brought out of Egypt, I'm going to kill them. I've had it with them. And Moses turns around and says, God, your people that you brought out of Egypt, don't kill them. (laughs) They're going back and forth arguing about who the people are, who brought them out of Egypt, who's responsible for them. It's just hilarious. So they're in another one of their little arguments in this chapter in uh, Exodus 31. But in the middle of them going back and forth about whether God was going to go up with them or not, and, you know, Moses says, well, if you're not going, I'm not going. So God says, I'm going to send my angel. And Moses says, well, then I'm not going. I mean, it's just amazing friendship that they had, huh, Mark? What a friendship Moses and God had. It's available to all of us. And right in the middle of this, Moses says this to God. Exodus thirty-three eighteen. Please show me your glory. Just right in the middle of this where God's in a cloud and his voice is coming out and and Moses is in this conversation. And Moses just finally just bursts out, show me who you really are. God loves that. Moses in this moment wasn't saying, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. He was saying, I don't care what you have to offer. I want you. Show me who you really are. Show me your glory. The word glory here means weight. That is the inner reality that makes God who he is. It's like, uh, you know, a box. Have you ever moved before? How many of you ever moved? Okay, how many of you have ever had to move your library? Raise your hands. My gosh. I thought one time, after I moved from Escondido up to Up to Ramona, I thought one day, it's like one of those thoughts you have that you think will never actually happen. One day, somebody's going to create something that somehow you can have all your books and just one book. Isn't isn't technology amazing? I was thinking that not too many years ago. Here it is. It's amazing. But man, when you have to move and carry those books, you've got this big, heavy box of books, right? That's glory. The books in there, all the knowledge and the wisdom that's glory in that box. That's what glory means. It's weightiness. And Moses wanted to open the box. Be God. Many of us are afraid to do that. You know? Many of us don't think that God's like a box of Cracker Jacks. You know, you can't wait to get to that prize. Reach your hand down and everything. We're going to pull out snakes or something. or He's going to send you to China and Or turn you into a freak. True. We're afraid to give him. We're afraid to just yield 100% to God. And just say, I trust you. Whatever. Moses wasn't afraid. He reached right into that box. And God responds to him and says this. Then God said to Moses, This is an answer to show me your glory. Who are you, really? God says, I will make all my, say it out loud, pass before you. Oh, man. Man, I'm glad that's recorded. He could have said my power, my wisdom, my beauty. He could have have said anything. What does he say? You want to know me, who I really am? I'm going to let all all my goodness before you. What an answer. What an unexpected answer. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. I love that. Father, son, protective. Here's a place by me. You stand on the rock so it shall be while my glory passes by. Now we just saw him say, my goodness passed by. Now he changes it to my glory passed by. It's the same thing. Did you catch that? His glory is his goodness. It's who he is. It's the inner reality that makes God God. His goodness. Oh. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. How tender, how precious, how personal. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. What is at the bo- what's the bottom line to God? What's the core of what makes Him who He is? Goodness. You know, so often we think that we know God. We think we know who He is kind of like i mean in our in our humanity we always want to know the bottom line what's the heart of the matter what's behind the curtain you know i want to see the oz what's real it's like at one point in time in the in the 19th century we thought the atom was the smallest thing in existence until mecular i'm sorry mecular biology right what did i say Molecular biology. The scientists in the room say it out loud. A a physicist is going to say, molecular biology is quantum physics. Subatomic, well, subatomic particles is in the atom, which is the protons and the neutrons and the nucleus and all that. That's what I said. Right. 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 That's what I said. <laughs> Unbelievable. We got the lawyer who stood up here didn't want to give away 100 bucks. We got the scientists over here arguing about molecular biology and physics. and So they were able to go to the subatomic particles in the atom and they find the protons and the neutrons and the nucleus and all that. There was a lot more going on down inside of there than they ever thought. They saw the core of it, the center of it. We love to discover. We love, God says, the Bible says this, God loves to conceal a thing and kings love to search them out. God's not hiding from us. He's hiding for us. He plays hide and seek with us, right? He says, seek me with all your heart and you will find me. He loves to be discovered. That illustration just was completely destroyed, totally fell apart hope that you guys will be changed forever by that. Why is it so important that we know who God really is? Because your soul, the source of your soul peace, your trust, your faith, your hope, your sense of well-being, your peace of mind, your security, your identity is rooted in your deep-seated belief in the goodness of God. It, it, it eliminates all fear. And fear cripples us. The revelation of the goodness of God completely frees us. So we're all there in measures. It's a journey. We're all in measures. But the more of God's goodness you see, the less fear you live with. That right there is worth all your money. But why is it, and this is a couple of things I want to capitalize on. Isn't it interesting? I mean, isn't it strange? God... It seems to be a contradiction here. God says, "You want to see me?" I hear a buzzing. Do you guys hear that buzzing? I don't know if we can do something about that. Okay, let's pretend like we don't hear it because I just drew your attention to it, and we can't do anything about it. So, yeah, I know. See. By the way, if you're visiting here today, (laughs) I clearly do not have control of this congregation. like hurting cats. But they love the Lord, they love the Word of God, and we're, um, we're stuck with each other for eternity. Thank you. Yeah. So, God says, you want to see me, I'll show you all my goodness, but you can't see my face, or you, will, you won't survive. You won't, you'll die. Like, what? How does that make sense? How could goodness cause, how could, how could seeing all of your goodness fry me? And why the face? Why can I see your back, but I can't see your face? The face the Bible talks about is where a person's glory is revealed. Right? I mean, not too many people are you know, putting their Facebook profile or their Instagram as their elbow or their neck or something, right? Or the face, right? I'm with my friend. Here I am. Look how beautiful I am. Hi. Oh, we're having so much fun. I have a perfect life. The face, the face, the face. Or when you sin and you're just completely ashamed or humiliated, what do you do? What's the move that human beings do? Show me, show me. Show me. Show me the move. Exactly. This. Right? You bow your head, put your hand, because you're covering your face. Because the face reveals you. It reflects your glory. When Moses went and spent time with God behind the cloud, do you remember what happened? Those of you that know the Old Testament, he came out from 40 days in God's presence and he's walking down the mountain. He doesn't even know. And what, What? what do you remember what happened? His face was lit up like a Christmas tree. And everybody's like, we can't even look at you, man. It's like Rudolph with, you know, bleep, bleep, bleep. But his was like glowing white. And people are like, Moses' face is like a, like a spotlight. And so that he had to put a veil over his face so people can have a conversation with Him. You see, a facial recognition software, right? I mean, people cover their faces when they rob a bank. I mean, the face reveals who you are. God's glory shines through His face. That's why when people give their life to Christ, their face, they're, they're, you see a difference in their face, their countenance. Because the Spirit of God, once their sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ, once you give your life to Jesus, he completely forgives you of all your sins like that because he paid for your sins on that cross with his death. It was an exchange. It was a payment. But you have to receive him personally or the forgiveness isn't given to your account. You bear the weight of your own guilt until you give your life to Christ. Then your guilt by God is placed on his son Jesus. that That's what the death on the cross was all about. God became a human being to bear the sin guilt and payment of our sins on Himself because He loves us so much. So He died on the cross, and so He paid the penalty for our sins. Then He rose from the dead and broke the power of death as a resurrected Son of God. So when you give your life to Him and you say, I turn my life over to you right now, you can do it right now while I'm talking. He knows you. He hears you. You give your life to Him right now as I'm talking. You say, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I'm asking you into my life. I turn my life over to you. That's all you have to do. Just crack that door open. Immediately, God takes your sin account and he puts it on Christ. And he puts Jesus' perfect sinless account and he puts it upon your record. And immediately your sins are forgiven and God breathes his Holy Spirit into your soul. And you feel it. And you'll experience peace like you've never known before. Because that's what Jesus gives to you, his peace. And your countenance changes. It, It lightens. Because the guilt is gone. It's a miracle. It's called the good news. That was definitely worth your two bucks today. That's called the good news of Jesus Christ. That's called the gospel. Countance changes. So how could God's? I mean, okay, so let's say... So he says, you can't look at my face and survive. Why if it's goodness? Here's why. As Kobe said a few minutes ago, he likes hanging around people that are, that are dumber than him and, and uglier because it makes him feel good about himself. You remember that testimony he just gave you a few minutes ago? He said, when you compare yourself to others, you look pretty good. Right? He didn't say it just like that, but that's what he meant. This is horrible. This is horrible. When I was in high school, there was this beautiful girl that hung out with a girl that would never be considered beautiful according to human standards. And she like, hung out with her all the time, and I found out why. And it makes her look better. It's horrible. Don't look at me. That's what she did. I'm just reporting what she did. It's horrible. But when we compare ourselves to one another, it makes us look better. That's why we're always trying to up our profile. With the people that we know, the names that we drop, the cars we drive, the watches we wear, the clothes and the name brand. We're we're trying to regain our glory that we lost in the Garden of Eden. That's what that's all about. But when we see God, He is so good that the first thing immediately that is revealed is our badness. Our fallen state. Our sinfulness, all of our hidden motives, all of our rationalization of our sin is just uh, just put on display in his glorious, perfect, good presence. That's why when Isaiah goes to church to complain about the congregation, he's marching in to church to go up before God as the prophet of the nation. And all of a sudden he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. God opened his eyes and he saw the glory of God. And what did he do? He fell on his face and said, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. What about Jesus, God in human form? Jesus is talking with Peter and then they go out into his boat and Jesus performs a miracle. And Peter immediately realizes who Jesus is, that he's the son of God. His eyes are opened. What's the first thing he does. Do you know what happened to Peter? He fell on his knees in the boat in front of Jesus and said, Depart from me, I am a sinful man. It happened to me. I was in a meeting. It was televised, unfortunately, and people saw it and they told me about it. I was in a meeting sitting right there, middle row. I'm in second row, aisle seat, 3,000 pastors from around the world. And one of the world's uh, most famous ministers is up here. He begins just to worship Jesus and all of a sudden, the presence of God fills the room. And I had an instantaneous flash of Jesus when he was living in the earth in Jerusalem. He was walking through Jerusalem. The crowds of people were around him. And I saw his glory trailing behind him. It was like that fast. And I started weeping. I was weeping. And I felt, it's so hard to put into words when you have a divine encounter. Hard to put it into human words. I felt alone. And I grabbed the hold of my friend who was worshiping behind me, and I grabbed his hand. And I was hanging on because I was afraid if I let go of his hand, I would be just alone with the glory of God. And I held on for so long, and finally he ripped his arm out of my hand because he wanted to put his hands up and worship Jesus. And I was, I was like pulling him down under, right? I slid onto the floor and just wept. My pastor came up to me, and he was going to meet with the first string of the body of Christ. He invited me out to dinner with these guys. This would have been an opening, open door to global ministry for me. And I said, no, I'm going to go back to my hotel room and be alone with, with Jesus. And I knew at that moment, he probably thought, I hired an idiot. Do you not know what I'm offering you? But when you've seen God, man is not that impressive anymore. I went to my hotel room and just wept all night. What was revealed to me was my sinfulness, my, my brokenness, my humanity in the presence of God. I woke up the next morning. The joy that was... Paul sitting through my being, I can't even put into words. The Bible calls it joy unspeakable and full of glory. That just came to me. That's scripture. Have you ever heard that scripture? It's in the New Testament. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what I experienced. I began laughing, and my best friend from high school had moved to Tulsa, which is where I was. And we had a, we had a lunch date. So I meet him. I haven't seen him in a few years since then. I meet him for lunch. I couldn't even talk with him. All I could do was laugh. We're at, the, we're at the table at the restaurant, and the waitress comes up and asks me if I wanted ranch dressing or blue cheese dressing, and I couldn't answer her, and I just started laughing. I got on the airplane, and the stewardess came up and asked me what I, if I wanted lunch, and I just started laughing. I came back to my youth group. I was a youth pastor, and I stood up to talk, and I just started laughing. I literally laughed for 48 hours straight because the joy of God had filled me completely up and that is that is the full revolution of an encounter with God you can't be found unless you're first lost and many of us don't think we're lost because we are so we've so concluded that we're okay but God knows that we have all sinned and fallen short of his glory so he has to reveal to us our fallenness and we have to see it and know it and admit it. Then we see a need for His forgiveness. Oh man, this is the gospel again. Here's the good part. God uses His goodness to draw us back to Himself. Look at this verse in Romans 2 4. We saw this last week, and I only have a few minutes, so I gotta bring this to a pretty quick close. What's unfortunate is Mark was supposed to teach today, and yet he said, You really had a great start, and I want you to continue next week to take my spot. The problem is we just got to the spot where I ended last week, and my time's just about up. <laughs> That's great. Oh my gosh. Trying to teach on the goodness of God. Seriously? This is our assignment? Yeah, he says good luck. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God is intended to lead you to repentance? God uses his goodness to draw us out of our badness. Look at one of the definitions of goodness here. Goodness. This goodness in action, sweetness of disposition, gentleness in dealing with others. This is God's goodness that we're describing here. He says, do you despise the goodness of God? This word goodness means benevolence, kindness, affability, the ability to act for the welfare of those taxing your patience. How many of you think by any chance you've ever taxed God's patience? Just raise your hands. You see, our message today is, well, the real God, please stand up. We're finding out about the true God, the only God. All other gods are imposters. God says that. The Bible says, God says, there are no gods except me. All other are false gods. They're not real. The devil is the imposter, and he lies about the only true God who is Just go ahead and shout it out. Just go ahead and shout it out. I'm talking to Kathy. He's preaching up here to me. Here's the last thing I want to say, and, and um, we'll have to pick up the rest of it next week. The other word goodness here, in this passage you see he says, um, do you despise the goodness And the reason the word despised is in there is because God was being good to sinners and these other perfect people were upset that God wasn't judging or punishing sinners. And he says, do you guys despise the goodness of God? Don't you understand that what he's trying to do is win back the bad people through displaying his goodness? That they can see how good he is and they will want him? the Bible says Jesus is the exact expression of God. We'll look at that next week. It says Jesus is the exact expression of God. So... So, and we all know Jesus is good, and he's the revelation of God. But in that passage, it says, do you despise the, the goodness of God? And then it says again, the goodness of God. Those are two different words for goodness. We just looked at the first one. Here's the definition of the second one. I'm going to explain to, you, um, I, I want to I want to explain this one and tell you why I want to explain it, and then we're going to close. The second word, goodness, in that passage, literally means this. Easy, pleasant, comfortable suitable, useful. The word goodness here is the exact same word that Jesus used when He was talking to the, the people in Jerusalem, when Jesus was a rabbi walking around Jerusalem, and He said to the people who were bound up in religion with all the rules and regulations, the 600 and some rules that the, Jew, the Jews had put on God's people, God gave 10. The great, the, the, the Ten Commandments. He just gave ten rules for living. They extrapolated them out to 600 and some rules, and they couldn't fulfill them all, and they were just always falling short. But that was their point, was to drive guilt and shame so they could control people through fear and obligation. So they're yoked with this, with this religious system that was just crushing them. And the religious leaders wouldn't even be near a sinner because they were dirty, and the religious leaders were so perfect. Jesus comes on the scene, the Son of God, the only rabbi who's wrapping up prostitutes in his arms and hugging them and, and going to tax collector's house and having lunch and, and laughing with sinners and eating with sinners. And the religious leaders despised him. They, they, this one prostitute came and she was weeping at Jesus' feet and wiping him with her hair. And this religious leader said if he were a true prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is that's touching him. The sinners love Jesus because of his goodness. So Jesus says, come to me if you want a new way of living. You don't have to live under this big religious yoke anymore, this heavy burden. The word there literally means to put something on. It's like something you wear. In other words, he's saying put on some new clothes. Take off those religious clothes and put on a brand new shirt that fits just right. like when you go shopping. It literally is like when you go shopping, what this is talking about, and you go in and you try something on and you come out and it just didn't quite fit right, like, like a new suit or a jacket or something. just didn't quite fit right right here, right? Did you know that men literally spend three weeks of their life sitting, waiting for their wives to try things on in department stores? Did you know that? only three weeks? I know, I, I thought that was a low statistic. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to get that back in heaven. I'm not sure. Anyway, A religious system, a religious system was like a straitjacket. People were trying to walk with God and they're sitting in a straitjacket. Some of you may feel that way. You feel bound up in guilt and shame and the religious system and the rules you have to live by and you've got to jump through all these hoops to feel accepted by God. Jesus said, "No, no, 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 no. You're all sinners. I'm the only one that's not, and I love you. Come to me. I'll forgive you of all your sins. And then put my relationship on you, which is filled with forgiveness and love and freedom. Like, oh man, this 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 fits nicely. This fits just right. It's a it's God's grace. Can't earn it. Don't deserve it. It's a gift called salvation. It's free from God to you and me. My favorite scripture in the Bible is forgiveness and mercy is new every morning. Because I need it every morning. I never try to earn God's love. I'm just loved. And so are you. Can we close your eyes this morning. I want to pray with you real quick. Some of you today are living with a yoke of religion on you. You feel like you're always disappointing God, always working for His favor. And I want to say to you this morning, that's a lie. It's a false God. It's an imposter that's lying to you about God. Jesus wants you to just fall into His arms of grace this morning. and call him Daddy. Call him Daddy. Right. Some of you here today, I'm going to give you an invitation right now to come to Jesus. All my preaching is is information for you to hear the truth about the only true and living God who loves you with all his being, and he is good. And He's calling you today. Maybe you have felt Him in your heart. That's Him calling you. He's calling you to His Son, Jesus, because that's the only way your sins will ever be forgiven is through His Son who died for you, who died for you personally. And so this morning's for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you down front or anything. I'm just going to ask you if... If you've never given your life to Jesus this morning, you've never given your life to him, and you need to have the relationship Jesus is offering, the easy one, for your sins to be completely forgiven forever, would you raise your hand right where you are and say, that's me. I'm going to pray a prayer for you. And the Lord is going to forgive you of your sins this morning. You're going to feel clean on the inside because he's going to breathe his spirit into you. And you're going to be what the Bible calls born again. You're going to become a son or daughter of God. But you need to make the move. It won't happen if you don't open the door of your heart. If that's you, you've never turned your life over to Jesus, and you're ready, will you raise your hand? Just slip it up and say, that's me. i want to give my life to Jesus. Okay, this is the way I want to close today. Because we're out of time. I want us to sing that song again that uh, we ended with, Oh, How He Loves Us. And I I want to challenge you this morning to be like Moses, who just went right into the dark cloud to see God face to face. I want to ask if you would Open yourself up completely open this morning, wide open. And let's sing this song because Satan hates it. He hates it when we're free in God. He hates it when we come to God. He hates it when we sing about the goodness of God. But God loves it. Jesus loves it. The Holy Spirit loves it. We stand with him this morning. Let's sing this song as we close. I'm also going to ask the prayer, the prayer team to come down front, please. Prayer teams, come on down front. If you need prayer for anything, a miracle of healing in your body, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you need prayer about anything specifically, come down front as we're singing this. The prayer teams are down here to pray with you. Jesus is still doing miracles today. But for the rest of us, let's just sing and worship how good God is.
2: He is just you. Love's like a hurricane, I am a tree. Us, oh how He loves us! Oh how He loves! We are, and we are His portion, and He is our prize. Drawn to redemption by the grace in His eyes, and grace. his fortune, and we are his portion, and he is our prize, Drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes, if grace is an ocean, we're all sinking, hallelujah, so heaven meets earth like a sloppy wicked, my heart turns of my chest. I don't have the time to maintain these regrets when I think about, come on every voice, the way he lies.